Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Please stand for our gospel reading. Our gospel lesson for this week comes from Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Well, I'm a little surprised there was an announcement about this in our open announcement time, but it was a big day in the Nelson household. One of us was biting into a donut this morning and lost a tooth. (laughs) Was that you, Otto? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so big day for... Uh, big teeth falling out. <laughs> it's been loose for a while, so we've been waiting for it at any moment to happen. But the donut got it out, by the way. The donut got it out. Yeah. <laughs> Losing a tooth by donut—that's that's the way to go. Not an apple or hard candy or anything like that. Well, this uh, reminded me of when I lost my own two front teeth. If I've told this story before, please forgive me, but it was, uh, it was not as sweet of an experience as biting into a yummy donut that we bought at Safeway yesterday. In my experience, uh, uh, it occurred, I think, when I was about Otto's age, perhaps a little bit younger. And my teeth were not quite ready to come out yet. Uh, we, when we moved to Decorah, Iowa, uh, we would attend all the college football and basketball games as a family, and my parents loved to go to those. And as a five-year-old, I was pretty bored, especially since their football team wasn't very good. <clears throat> so instead of just sitting there and watching you know, this game I didn't really understand yet, uh, friends and my brothers and kind of kids closer to my age, we would run around and play tag and just use the, uh, the stadium as more of a uh, playground as as much as we could to our ability as anything else. And in particular, I remember this one day, uh, quite vividly actually for events that were about to go down, 
because we were playing tag on the kind of mezzanine area above where the stadium seat had started. And this uh, mezzanine was a concrete walkway. And then um, uh, the grass beneath that actually went underneath the stadium. And as you might imagine, uh, they found it necessary to put up a railing uh, to keep uh, uh, people from going down underneath the stadium and just to stay on the walkway mezzanine portion there. Well, that was not my concern that day. My concern that day was not getting tagged by my friends. You guys all remember those days when the most important thing ever was not to be it. Whew. Some days I wish I could go back to that, right? <laughs> so we were, we were playing, we were running back and forth all up there having fun. It was going on well and good. And uh, oh boy, they were coming after me on this one section. And I made sure that I was going to just put the guns on and make sure that uh, I, was, I was staying away from those chasing me. And as I looked, I thought I'd remembered that there was a railing there. But I looked up and I didn't see one. So I just decided to keep going until my mouth decided to stop me against that railing. <laughs> that was there to keep us from going underneath the stadium seating. Stopped very abruptly, teeth first, and uh, the two front teeth took the brunt of it, and they were uh, knocked out pretty much then and there. I don't know. I'm sure I bled some, and my lip got swelled and bloody and all that. And my eyes filled with tears and all the pain that I was in. And that's the reason I remember that incident quite fondly. So, my story of losing my front teeth was a little bit different than Otto's. Fortunately, his seems to already be coming in. I think it, as I remember, it took at least like five years for me to get my front teeth back. It was probably more like six months, I don't know. It was definitely early, so I was toothless up there for a lot longer than most because of this incident. Now, based on our text, I'm inclined to throw out a question. It was five-year-old me extra sinful and evil to require such an untimely, such a painful loss of my two front teeth? Was I more of an egregious sinner than my son who got get to experience the sweet donut removing his front tooth than a painful metal bar that <laughs> seemed to jump out of nowhere? Is that the reason that that tragedy befell me? As a five-year-old kid, was God somehow punishing me for whatever I'd done up to that point? Or was it something that just happened? Was I especially innocent as a five-year-old that certain tragedies maybe befall, befell me at that age as more happenstance? Where God intervenes now in my adult life to punish me with this or that? Say rib injuries that I've written about in newsletters recently. Is, there God, is God moving behind the scenes to bring pain to me, to teach me lessons as a five-year-old? As a 35-year-old, 36-year-old now? Or is it stuff that just happens? Is the person who has to suffer a cancer diagnosis somehow more deserving of illness than the next person? Is a person... Um, 
who endures one of the destruction of all these tornadoes that have been happening in winter months for some reason. They somehow deserve it. The list of tragedies goes on. That we could fill in the blank. Did this happen to this person because they were somehow a special sort of sinner? Or uh, did this wrong happen in somebody's life because they were not up to the snuff in the eyes of God? Or is this just part of being sinful people in a broken world? Where this stuff kind of happens to all of us, more or less indiscriminately. Well, our gospel lesson from Luke touches on all of this. Maybe not five-year-olds losing their teeth, per se. (laughs) But by comparison, it talks about this egregious uh, sacrilege that um, Pontius Pilate seemed to be doing to the Galilean people by spreading their blood on pagan sacrifices to desecrate them in their deaths and dishonor them after the fact. And there also seems to have been kind of a public disaster when this Tower of Siloam fell on and killed 18 people. A tragedy of their own time. And Jesus throws out the questions. Do you think these Galileans suffered in this way because they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No. No. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No. No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Jesus tells us in these passages that, uh, I guess I'm a little bit heartened to hear that a five-year-old me did not deserve to run into that, that railing any more than, say, 35-year-old me or whatever else. That one tragedy happens the same as the next. That God is not intervening in to pick on some people more than others. But instead, this is part, just simply part and parcel of being sinful people in a sinful world. That there are evils that we all must face in different times and different ways, yes. But we all face them together. And if some of our lives seem more tragic than another's, it doesn't mean that we are especially least deserving or worse off or anything like that. I remember uh, Carl Rohr's brother, Ralph, talking about uh, he unfortunately dealt with cancer in his life. And he shared with me a story that when he is a pastor, a well-loved pastor, especially by many in the congregation, was diagnosed with cancer. One of the members came up to him and said, Oh, why does this happen to you? Why does this happen to you? As though he was somehow less deserving of cancer than the next person. Now, Carl was his brother and knew him pretty well. And maybe, maybe Carl would think that Ralph would say that, actually. I'm not sure. Do you think Ralph would say he's less deserving of hardship? Than... No, okay. <laughs> just a test, just a test. Yeah. But I, I really appreciated Ralph's response to when he, as a pastor in his church, a well-loved pastor by so many, was asked or heard this comment, oh, why is this happening to you? 
fire back. Well, why not me? What is so different about me that I should be immune from all the illnesses and hardships of this world? He saw himself just like everybody else, that these things just happen, these things just occur in the world. And the work of God, the work of the kingdom, is not to say that those who are faithful, those who are close to God's heart, are somehow immune. God is somehow their genie to protect them from all hardship and suffering and pain. Instead, the work of Jesus Christ is to come alongside us in our suffering and to redeem us from it. To say, as these deaths, these hardships, these pains, these sorrows befall us in this broken world, that that brokenness is not the end of the story, that there is wholeness beyond it. There is wholeness that God means to bring about for each and every one of us. Sometimes it takes a little while, as it did for me to regrow those two untimely lost front teeth that I lost when I was five. It did take longer than normal, but to regrow those. But they came back. And so much more does our suffering made complete in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who entered the lowest of low, our most sorrowful moments, the deepest pains that this world has to offer, and came through it to bring wholeness to all of creation, to each and every single one of us, and to do so with love. That is the work, the fruit that God means to produce on every fig tree in this world, proverbially speaking. Now, we might be a little bit confused by the second, passage, second part of this passage when Jesus talks about that fig tree not bearing fruit, right? That though somehow it is meant to be cut down, that somehow the works that we produce in the eyes of God would deem us worthy of salvation or worthy of destruction. Right? The fig tree that cannot produce is meant to be cut down. In the story, though, we hear of the gardener asking, pleading for a second chance for the fig tree. But still, if it does not produce the next year, then it is meant for destruction. It would make sense then to reapply that to what Jesus said and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that like saying that the people got what was coming to them? That the fig tree earns its salvation, its redemption, or its destruction. Isn't it that somehow like bad people having bad things happen to them and good people having good things happen to them? Well, we need to be careful here and say that uh, on the one hand, sometimes Scripture does leave us scratching our heads a little bit. But on this one, we should also see in particular that the fruit that uh, the Spirit bears in our lives and in our world really is the fruit, of our, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit and work of ourselves. There's none of us, as he says, uh, who can make ourselves righteous. There's no one who is somehow good enough in the eyes of God to spare ourselves from the sufferings and brokenness of this world. We don't get like a get-out-of-jail-free card or anything like that, for those of you who play Monopoly. Instead, God comes alongside us as the gardener, a gardener who pleads on our behalf and tries to make the fruit grow in our lives, tries to make 
acts of love and faith and compassion and goodness emanate from us, despite, often despite our best efforts. And God means to use our brokenness to bring about good in this world, even when we cannot see it or earn it for ourselves. God uses the trees that are us, so to speak, to produce fruit where there has been none before. And there's great, great, great reassurance in that. That that God can even use fruitless trees to bear new fruit that the world has never seen before. And I am encouraged by that again and again. For that fruit will blossom in this world and the next like we can never see, or we have never seen before. And it is the Spirit of God that intercedes on our behalf, which makes that all, all that happen, especially through the Son, Jesus Christ, who came to the lowest of the low to bring us to the highest of heights, both now and forever. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.